Luke, the 10th chapter. When everybody get there, please say amen. Book of Luke, the tenth chapter. I'm going to read a little bit here first, but we're going to be dealing with the Good Samaritan today. But I want to read a little bit first and give a little bit of clarity on some things. Uh, Jesus had sent out the seventy disciples of His, and they had. In verse 17, they had returned back to him. And they were joyous. And the Bible says, and the 70 returned, verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devil is subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, that means to pay close attention. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. We all know that that serpent is that old whispering enchanter. He says he gives us power to tread over there. You know those voices that we like to hear sometimes in our head and other people? He, he give, he's given us power to tread over there because that stuff gets us in, in a lot of trouble. They can hurt us, you see. And it's our job to remind ourselves about the danger of this serpent because this is the one that got man messed up in the beginning. That's right. So it does well that we keep ourselves abreast of this fellow. Mm -hmm. He says, but I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Scorpions represents the sting and sin. And over all power, all the power of the enemy. And he said, and Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. In other words, don't be so caught up on this, because I got something greater for you to understand than the fact that you're just able to deal with demons and cast them out and make them subject to you and all that. Jesus said in verse 20, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. See a lot of times we put too much even today the church put too much emphasis on trying to make a demon come out of somebody <laughs> more so than rejoicing to the fact that our names are written in heaven, you see. If we spend more time at understanding that our name is written in heaven, that demon have to go anyway, because you see where the testimony of Jesus is, that's the spirit of prophecy. It'll run that demon wherever it, it's at in you. It, it'll run him up out of there, just by you standing on Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse 21 that in that hour, that same season, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. And he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the, take note, wise and the prudent. See, these things have been hidden from the wise and the prudent. And has revealed them unto babies. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, Jesus said. And no man knoweth who the Father or who the Son is, 
but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son reveal or will reveal him. So if God don't show up who he is and who his son is, we won't know. See, no man can come unto Jesus, the Bible says, unless he is drawn by the Father. John 6.44 says. You can't come Unless you're drawn. It takes that. Spirit of drawing. But I want to deal with this wise and prudent. I want us to go over here. He says that he's hid from them, right? The wise and prudent. I want us to go to 1 Corinthians. I just want to do a little reading before I get into the uh, breakdown of this good Samaritan. I want us to go to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. First Corinthians, the first chapter. Start at verse 18. Now we're dealing with this thing that's been hid from the wise and the prudent, okay? Are we there? The Bible says in verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Did he not say that is hid from the wise and the prudent? He says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise, he asked the question. And where is the scribe? And where is the disputer of this world? Have not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? <laughs> For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. <laughs> it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews, they require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, it's a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks, it's foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. I often refer to this scripture. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Just the foolishness of God. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren. Look at your own calling. How many that, or how that, not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty, and not many noble are called. We can see that by looking at our own lives. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's awesome. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and the things which are despised. And I know I was despised and still am. Have God chosen, yeah, the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are? That no flesh, this is the reason why he did That no flesh should glory in his presence. See, flesh got a way of trying to glory in God's presence. So what God did was God took the nothing, the things that are despised, and he brought it up and made it something in him so that being that he is the spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, God says that he did it that way that no flesh 
she gloried in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That, according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the understanding of his word. I want us to go back to St. Luke. And we're going to deal with the Good Samaritan, starting at the 25th verse. The word Samaritan means <coughs> a do-gooder, a voluntary do-gooder toward humanity. <coughs> Excuse me. The word Samaritan is a person who looks out, sees a person in a situation and tries to accordingly help them with no strings attached. That's a good Samaritan. A person who is really in need, who has fallen upon hard, destitute times in one way, form, or fashion. Not a person who's out there trying to get over on somebody, but a person who genuinely has self-worth and willing to appropriate that self-worth with adequate nourishment. A good Samaritan is a person that looks for these kinds of situations for the betterment of mankind. Verse 25 says that, and behold, a certain, that word certain means that it could have been anybody, a certain lawyer, lawyer being a legalist, a religionist, somebody that's always looking for a reason to trap off your good works. You do have people like that in the world. You must understand that. And they tried to do Jesus this same way because the word clear, clearly states here, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and he did what? He tempted Jesus. He tempted him by saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He wasn't interested in eternal life. He was trying to trick Jesus. That's what he was doing. He was trying to bring Jesus into the bondage again of religion and legalistic virtue. That's what he was trying to do. Go with me to Galatians, another one of our scriptures that we use quite often to keep our heads above water. Galatians 2 verse 4. See, this legalist this lawyer, he's what we see here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. Always there. He says, and that because of the false brethren, that's what he is, unaware brought in. See, he was unaware. He was sitting there in the midst of what Jesus was doing. He saw when they came back the 70s, and he saw the rejoicing, and he was sitting among them, and all of a sudden he stood up. Wasn't noticed until he stood up, right? But when he stood up, he showed his hand. He said, and that because of false brethren unaware brought in who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into what? bondage. So here it is. This lawyer sees that the people are happy, but they're not happy the way he wants them to be happy. I wonder why. Because they're not doing it the way he wants them to do it. They don't like that. They got a problem with that. So he stands up and he tries to tempt Jesus. 
And verse 26 says, after, he, after he's asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26 says, and he said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? See, this is Jesus. See, see sometimes you got to be as wise as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. See, there's a mind game going on here. He's trying to trick Jesus. But Jesus throwing his own thing back at him. Because what he's trying to do is trick Jesus with what's written in the Word. So he's trying to figure out whether Jesus is going to repeat what the Word is saying. Or whether Jesus is going to go off on a tangent. But what Jesus does is Jesus say, what's your book say? What's your book say? You ask me what mine, what's your book say? You see, when I run into Muslims all the time, the first thing Muslims want to do is Muslims want to always try to find out. They the only, I like I always tell Muslims, I say, y'all the only one who told two books, y'all book in the Bible. Now, which one do you believe in? Why are you always spending more time in my book trying to contradict what it says, and you don't even know what's in yours? I don't understand that. What your book say about the situation? Well, my book said it we didn't live by. We didn't live by. Don't try to convince me to be one of you by trying to distort my book. Because I know what my book said. Now, do you know what yours said? See, you don't see me going around talking about one book, the Bible. You don't see me talking the Quran on one side and a Bible on the other side and everybody I run into. I want to dispute with that I think is a Christian or that I think is a Muslim. You know, I don't waste my time with that. You are what you are. I already know what my book said in Acts 4.12. It said, there is none other salvation under heaven and none other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. That's, ain't nothing else to talk about. See, I know what my book said. Do you know what your book said? So don't come to me trying to uh, convince me of nothing your book said because mine done already told me to beware of you. See, that's why you need to know what the book says instead of sitting there like I was this morning looking to see because I study these preachers and they preach an hour and they might flash one scripture up there but they don't, they, they people don't never just boy tell. They people don't never get in the book. Never. How you gonna know the book if you don't get in the book? How you gonna know the book if you don't get in the book? I don't understand that. I don't understand how a man can run his mouth for a whole hour just putting things out the air. Ain't that much revelation in the world. You got to have something to guide you back to keep you on track. Or you gonna mess somebody up. So I don't understand that. And I, and I certainly don't believe in it. Because this is the road now. So Jesus is saying, what is written in the law? He asked him a question. You a lawyer? So you ought to know the law. What's written in it? He said, how do you read it? And he answered and said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said in verse 28, and he said to him, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. Do this, then, you know. Do this, and, and you'll live. But he, willing to justify himself, see, he wasn't satisfied. He wanted to justify himself. See, that's the, Have you ever seen people, when they know they're trying to trap you, and when they know they're doing things wrong and then you try to tell them by way of the Bible and they try to justify You ever met people like that? I have. I've probably been guilty of doing that myself. If I'm really honest about the situation at some point in time in my life, that's just if I'm honest about the situation. I can see me doing that, trying to justify my insanity. Verse 29 said, but he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, 
drunk on sin. Now he want to do it his way. Mm-hmm. Right or wrong? That's right. Right or wrong? So the man leaves Jerusalem. He goes down to Jericho. He falls among the thieves because John 10, 10 says that the thief came but to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what happens when we take the faith that we have from God and put it in ourselves. Now we're going down to that place within ourselves called Jericho, the soul, which is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotion. Now we're all messed up. Because our faith in what we want, what we feel. And it's right in there where we fall among the thieves. And the next thing we know, look what they did. Stripped him of his raiment. When them folk be coming through that door all ashy, they done fell among the thieves. And you see people out there, they're supposed to be glowing in God, and they're not, they done fell among the thieves. They've been stripped. Because that's the first thing the thief do. He came to steal, strip you, kill, and destroy you. So the first thing he did was strip you of your glory. What happened to you? You don't have no shine no more. What happened? The worst thing in the world is to see a pregnant woman that ain't got no glow. Your soul was pregnant this morning and you ain't got no glow, something wrong. Something's right. But thank God, everything in here now is blowing pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Wonder why? Because of the word. It's amazing what God's word will do. Whether I want to preach it or not, it's amazing what God's word will do. If you just preach it. That's all God looking for. Says somebody's gonna preach His word, not their own. <laughs> See, y'all got to understand that the world don't like the word of God no more. The church don't like the word of God no more. Everybody is into this big, crazy shenanigan. Is all it is. It's a shenanigan. It's a social club. It's all it is, and they're flocking to that. But I always say, when you see everybody going one way, you better go the other way. I always say that. You don't run toward it. You run away from the herd. Do not have a herd mentality. Don't do that. Have a mind of your own, people. Don't you have no herd mentality. You'll get messed up. You see something here. First, the devil's scripture. Then he wounds him. He came to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Now he's wounded. He done got stripped. He done got wounded. The next thing that happened, and departed, the thief will, after he hits you, make a hit on you, he'll depart from you, but he'll leave you half dead. See, you'll be spiritually dead, but you'll still be alive physically, and that's most miserable. To be in the world without God. No hope, the Bible. Y'all, yeah, the Bible talks about it. Being in the world, no hope, no vision, no nothing. You have dead. But he done stripped you now of your raiment, your glory, that you have in the Lord. He done wounded you, and he done departed from you. But Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Well, this confusing to me how many would rather have the devil who will leave him than God who says he'll stay with him. That's confusing to me about us as humans. So they left him half dead. And by chance, look what happened. By chance. Uh huh. There came where? Down a certain priest that way. Could have been anybody. Galatians 6.1. Galatians 6.1 says if you find your brother in a fault, you that are spiritual go to him. Not just anybody. You that are spiritual go to that person. And restore that person. But you've got to be cautious of the fact that you don't fall into the same condemnation. That means that you can trap it too. But here is this certain. 
I'm not going to be long with you, but I'm going to hit you with the word and I'm going to move on. I'm just going to hit you with the word and I'm moving on. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. Look what he did. He came down that way. The same way the certain man went. He went too. The same way he left the peace of God, went down that way in the same direction. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Man, he over here, he over here. Same place. Could have hit him. See, see, some of us could have been hit and have been hit like that one over there. And people passed by. Preach. People that are supposed to be knowing God. But see, they were going the same way. And they didn't realize that by divine appointment, you got hit, just like that man. But it, by, divine, by divine appointment, you being down there too, you could have got hit too. And it could have been, he could have been coming down looking at you. But it just so happened that it was reversed. So what he did was he passed on by on the other side. You know how we do we're doing the same thing everybody else doing. But then, when we see them get their head clunked off, we'll walk on by. We'll walk on by. I pray for you. You pray for them, but you leave them destitute and without. What a prayer in that. You don't have anybody, you need that. So I, I pray for you. Now it's time for some action. Amen. Verse 32 says, and likewise. And likewise, a Levite. He's supposed to know God too. But he wasn't a religious boy. Because that word Levite here means one of contempt and ridicule. See you down like that, they'll contempt and ridicule you. That's him. But look what he doing. Look what the Levite doing now. The Levite, when he was at the place, that means that he in the same place. <laughs> Came and looked at him. Mm. What happened to you? But he passed on by on the other side. Passed on by. He had a nerve to come even closer and look down at him. But he left him there. But now he's going the same way and doing the same thing. It's just one guy here doesn't admit. But it could have been him. Could have been. It could have been. But look here. Verse 33. But. That cancels it out. But. God always got a but somewhere. But a certain Samaritan. A do-good. To mankind. Who's in need of him. As he journeyed. See. Those of us who have a spirit of doing good. We're on a journey, and while we're on this journey, we see how we can impute the goodness of God in other people. Whosoever will, let him come. Only the whosoever will. We're not going out here, and we're not commercializing this, this, this ministry. Because, see, to commercialize it will make it worldly. See, I'm not going to advertise, and not like they advertise, I mean, you know. With all the extravagance and the conferences and all of that stuff don't, that don't never amount to a hill of beans. See, all we need to do is get with this word. That's what we need to do. And if they want to come, they come. If they don't, they don't. If they want to stay, they stay. If they don't, they don't. But we're going to go on because we have to. We put our hands to the fire. We don't have a choice. 
And as long as the house is people, I'm happy. Amen. It ain't never been about a whole bunch of... Let me tell you something. To let you understand and know what a pastor goes for, it didn't take but one to have legion in it. Y'all remember I told y'all? All it takes is one demon field person to come through that door and wreak havoc. A legion is six to 10,000 demons, foot soldiers. That's a lot. How then just one person? Now, if I, just think about this. If I open my door to all kind of sin and lust and fornication, I'm talking about just everything. I'm talking about just anything and everything. Do you, can you imagine how the demonic forces will be on you and on me and what we'd all be going through up in here? Can you imagine that? To have all that stuff come up in there. Most churches are filled with demonic. And they're all in there together and they call it good church. Oh, that ain't what God calls us to do. Because God done said that no flesh is going to glory in his presence and no flesh is going to enter into the kingdom of God or going to inherit it. So I got to teach spirit and spirit only because anything else ain't going to work. If I allow that spirit of shacking and fornication and all that kind of stuff to come up in here, it will destroy this ministry. Because it will bring them spirits up in here and those spirits attract those spirits. You can go over here and you can, yeah, we, got, we have a good church. We have a good time. Because the preacher, he just loves us. He don't never tell us, you know, he, the, the preacher don't try to make us do right. Well, I don't try to make you do right either. I just tell you what the word says. And that word is what got you, you see. But if I let you come up here and just do what you want to do and act any kind of way you want to and look at you, think you're going to look at me and I know you dead up in jam up in sin, then I'm asking for trouble. I'm asking for a problem. And I don't need that kind of problem because I know about enough about demons to know that that ain't a good thing to have in the house of the Lord. So, it's Levi. He goes to the other side. And now here comes this Samaritan as he's on his journey. And where, and came where he was. See, the Samaritan came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Micah 6 8 says, I have shown thee, O man, that which is good is that which is required of you. Mm -hmm. The good Samaritan. And that is to do justly, to love mercy. And to walk humbly with thy God. The Bible says here that the man had mercy, compassion on him. And went to him, and he bound up his wound. Matthew 18, 18 said, whatever you bind on the earth, I'll bind, I'll bind in heaven, see. He bound up, he bound up that man's wound. See, some of us are wounded, and that wound has to be bound up through the Word of God. So he bound up that wound, then he poured in the oil and the wine, which is the anointing and the Spirit. And he set him on his own beast. In other words, that word beast here means to acquire and obtain. See, you've got to acquire and obtain your own salvation. I can't do that for you. You've got to do that. But I can help set you on your beast so that you can do it. I can help bound up the moon on you by giving you the word of God. I can give you the spiritual anointing and the, uh, uh, and, and the spirit of God itself through his word. I can do all of that. But you're going to have to be the one to acquire and obtain your own salvation. I can't do that for you. I can, see, the man couldn't do so much for him. And on the morrow, that's his next season, when he departed. 
See, that's what I'm trying to get you to. I'm trying to get you to your next season, your tomorrow. But the only way that I can get you to tomorrow is to break you from yesterday. Because yesterday is your problem, not today. Yesterday was killing you. You can't let it go. See, yesterday is all in your face. Everywhere you turn is yesterday. 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 Your friends are yesterday. Your family is yesterday. Everything is yesterday. So yesterday won't let you even see where you are, at least alone where you're going. Yesterday. Not tomorrow, but yesterday. Trade in yesterday for tomorrow, your next season. There is life after yesterday. Forget yesterday. Every time yesterday come on me, man, I ain't me no more. Forget you yesterday. Every time somebody throw up to me about yesterday, I, I cut them loose because you still yesterday. And yesterday ain't with me no more. <laughs> Forget you yesterday. You can't drag on my spirit like that. Trying to get you to break free. That's all I'm trying to do. Get you, get you free up in here. Get you free where you can think for yourself. Amen. That's what I'm trying to do. Says here that he put him on his own beast. Told you that means to acquire and obtain. And brought him to an end. Now that word in there means all receptive place in Christ. See, that's what the word of God will do once you get saved. It'll bring you to an all receptive place in Christ. All receptive means that I'm open. That's the sheepfold. My door is open to the spirit. So he brings him to this end, this place where he can hear everything and he's willing to hear everything. Y'all know what a receptacle is, right? That's a receiver. That's what salvation does. It brings you into a place of receptivity with God. So when we're not receptive to what God is trying to tell us, we need to check ourselves. We need to check our salvation because our wavelength might be distorted. You got to have a tight ear to hear what God is saying in the spirit realm because you got to understand in order to hear it in the spirit realm, you got to get through the wave of the atmosphere of where the Satan is. And it's all kind of distortion going on from here to the top and from the top back down. It's a fight going up, fight coming down. Now, the thing about it is, is that Satan can't read your mind, but when you release it, then it's got to go up. That's when he knows the plan. So he starts to attack it then, you see. So, by him attacking it, being that he's still able to go up top as the accuser of the brethren, whatever it is that you release, it's been malignitized. See, see, and, and, and that demon is latched on and trying to fight it all the way up. So whatever is released back into it up top, see, he's fighting it coming back down too. So that's why sometimes we don't understand what it is that we're going through and why we're going through it, it's because of when we release it, that's when the war starts. Because the object of it is, is to stop it before it can get to God, but definitely stop it before it can get back to you. Definitely. It's just like the book of Daniel. When Daniel sent up the prayer, it took him three weeks, I believe, for it to. God said, I heard you, it was the first day you prayed. But I had to send my boy to fight against the Prince of Persia, which was a demonic force. You see, if you ever wonder, there are things called race spirits, and there are national spirits. That's why a national spirit is a demonic spirit that causes, it's like a denomination and causes separation. That's why America has a spirit one way and Canada, 
one way, and Mexico is one way, and Russia. They're all guided by what we call demonic race spirits. There is a or demonic national spirit. It's a national spirit. That's why people holler about being a patriot, a patriot. That means they'll die for their country because you see, they don't understand, they don't have that mentality that all men are created equal. They don't have that kind of mentality. They want to be superior to that one. And that one wants superiority over somebody. Everybody's looking for national superiority. So it's a national spirit. Then we've got what we call a race spirit. You know, you've got the black act one way because of that demon that's over them, you see. You see, rap music and all that, that's a spirit. That's a demonic spirit, you see. They cause these blacks to act a certain way. You know, there are a lot of things that cause us to act a certain way. And then you've got the Mexican, that's a demonic spirit called, it's a race spirit. You see what I'm saying? It divides. And this all came from when God separated the three sons of Noah. And when they were building the Tower of Babel, that's where it all came from. And God came down and he confused. See, God is not the author of confusion. He came down and what he did was he allowed those demonic spirits to confuse. Well, I didn't like you, you didn't like me, you didn't look like me, so I don't like you. And, and, and you know that kind of stuff. You see, that, that, that's what that did. So now you've got Russia wanting to do their thing, you've got America wanting to do their, you've got the Europeans, the French. See, all every one of them got a race spirit over them. And that race spirit is what's controlling them. It controls you in the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you act, the way you feel. That's why, just like we were looking at that little movie last night, Transformers, and the little green thing with the, 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 the black guy, and he got the black guy where he can't even read. The little Transformer. And everybody thinks it's so cute, and ain't nothing cute about it. But they got us looking stupid. And with the gold tooth, got it with the gold tooth. See, y'all don't be catching that kind of stuff. See, y'all start watching this stuff real close. Cursing. You say, read that. You say, I can't read. The brother. The brother transformed. A little green one with the buck teeth. See, the stuff that we think is funny ain't really funny because they're joking at us. That's why we, when, when, when they make these sitcoms and stuff with these, with, the, with, the, with, with these elements, these minority elements, they make them looking stupid. Why can't they ever make you look like you got some sense? And why is it that we as black folk got to sit there and laugh at it like it's funny? Instead of turning that mess off and getting you something in your head, and did somebody tell you about yourself? Did, did, like, like when Bill Cosby speak up or somebody like that, or even Obama, now we get mad. Hell, not talk about us like that. You talk about, he to tell the truth. Somebody need to tell you the truth. You start watching this stuff closely, you'll learn a lot. See, they already got you paid in what race spirit you in. They got you already locked in. And it's demonic. It's demonic. The racial profile is what it is. Ain't nothing but a race spirit. They know the spirit. They know it. That demonic spirit will have you with the bling bling, but you ain't got no job. You drive a $50,000 car, but you ain't got no job. And you certainly don't have the innovability to be driving it. And you got your mouth full of gold. Look like when you, when you, when you laugh and that stuff all between them old nasty teeth. Because can't, you can't clean it. Because, it, yeah. 
Well, she takes that little cute. Ain't nothing cute about it. See, it's here on tomorrow, in your next season. When he depart. See what he did. He took out two pins. Two pins represents a covenant that's been made. And that covenant is the perfect will of God in you because two pence equals 88 cents. And if you count 88, 8 plus 8 equals 16, and 1 plus 6 equals 7. And that's what happened. This, per this person that's being reconstituted is being reconstituted in the perfect will of God. Two pinches. And notice who he gave them to. He gave them to the innkeeper. The innkeeper, that's the host. That's me. The pastor. My job is to make sure you are right. That's my job. Whether you like it or not, that's still my job. And if you come, I can do my job. If you don't, then I can't help you. But that's still my job. See, nobody comes to the end to rest except the ones that want to come. You don't see the end people going out there. If you don't want, you know where we are. If you want to rest. I say if you want to rest. See, it's here. And gave them the host and said unto him, take care of him. What God is saying to me, take care of it. And whatsoever thou spendest more, in other words, whatever you give over, when I come again, I will repay thee. That's why I'm never worried about getting paid. Is that right there? Right there. I want you to go to Proverbs 19, verse 17. I'm just going to show you a couple things here. Proverbs. We're getting close. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, verse 19, verse 17. 1917. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Proverbs 1917 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given will he, the Lord, repay or pay him again. Y'all see that? So when you help the poor, you really lend it to the Lord, okay? Okay. Now Let's go to the book of Ruth, 2.12. The book of Ruth, 2.12. is right after the book of Judges, I believe. And Judges is right after Joshua. And Joshua is right after Deuteronomy. So, Ruth. Ruth, 2.12. This is what Ruth, 2.12 says. The Lord recompense thy works. That means the Lord will repay thy works. And a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. See, the Lord will repay you for your good work. He'll take care of you. Okay? Don't grow weary in your well doing, he says. For you'll reap in due season if you faint not. If. These were in the dictionary. If. Professor can't even figure out if. That's beyond him. If makes the professor back up. If. And verse 36 says, over here in Luke 10, verse 36, which now, which now of these three thinkest thou, see, Jesus done took this man through the scenario of who is your neighbor. Not tell your neighbor, but who is your neighbor. Okay, they got it mixed up some kind of way. They start talking about tell your neighbor, but they should have been saying who is your neighbor. They done got all things twisted. So Jesus is now, he says, verse 36, Luke 10, verse 36 says, Which now these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? In other words, now who do you think is your neighbor? If that was you laying there on the side, and your family came by, but they 
Oh, Larry. And your buddy came by and he looked at Oh, Larry. And a stranger came by and said, I hear you. Now, which one of them are you going to listen to? Which one of them are you going to call your neighbor? That's what God, that's what he's asking us. That's what he's asking. Now, this man that fell among the thieves, notice where he came from. Jerusalem. That means he was a Jew. The priest was a Jew too. And the Levites. They were all family, right? But they didn't take care of him. But the one that they despised the most, the Samaritan, was the one that came to their rescue. That's the word of God, people. Can't y'all see what's being done to you when that devil tried to do that to you? Can't we see? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Didn't say Jesus unto him, go. And you do likewise. See, he straightened him out real good, didn't he? Because Matthew 5, 7 says, Matthew 5, 7 talks about mercy. Matthew 5, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Did you not know that if you don't show mercy, that if you don't show mercy, no mercy shall be obtained? Say, blessed are those that show mercy, that are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Lord, I need some mercy, not only from God, but from you. Amen. You see, we need mercy. God desires mercy rather than sacrifice. He needs mercy. James 2.13. Let's look at it and that's it. I'll let you go home. It's 12 o'clock. Doesn't get all I can do for you. It doesn't. As far as the word is concerned. James. Book of James. <clears throat> What did I say? 2.13? Mm -hmm. Verse 13 says in the book of James, 2.13, For he shall have judgment without mercy, and has shown, that has shown no mercy. Did y'all see what he said? Mm -hmm. You're going to have judgment instead of mercy if you haven't shown no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. See, I'd rather come in any day and show mercy than judgment. I, I don't like judgment. Not even when the word validates it. I still don't like it. I didn't like spanking them tails last night, but I spanked them. But I ain't like it. I don't never like it. But when I got this thing, see, all I can say is this. If the shoe fit, wear it, and if it don't, don't worry about it. That's all I can say. If the shoe fit, wear it, and if it don't, don't worry about it. God ain't talking to you. <laughs> but God knows who he is talking to when he do it. Well, now you said that. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> but, but it's the truth. It's the truth. And God still loves us. He still loves us. And God is still good to us. And God's going to continue to be good to us. And God's still going to release his hand just here in the show. Just here in the midst. He's going to do that. So you just hold on and be glad to get the children from the flip. Eddie, will you take up and do your job? Let's go. Uh, I guess uh, Hill didn't make it back today uh, with his... Uh, Help him out, uh, uh, Bridge, if you would, take up the offering, if you don't mind. Uh, he had to go out of town today and uh, yesterday, he didn't make it back, and I'd rather for him not to make it back than to be running up and down that road. And uh, 
because it's dangerous out there. I'm always very cautious about those roads. But I do want to thank everybody for coming out.